Hi, my name is Ian Campbell from Project Aware. Um, I'm on the Big Scuba podcast with Gemma and Ian. Hello, everyone. Welcome back to the Big Scuba podcast. Welcome back. This is episode 42, Gemma. Yep. And uh, as we always like to start off with a few interesting facts, I've got one for you, Gemma. Here we go. So, did you know episode 42 is, there ain't too many uh, facts about 42, so this is the best I could find. Have you ever read the Hitchhiker's Guide? Didn't look. Have you ever read the Hitchhiker's Guide to the Galaxy? I haven't read it, no. Have you seen the film? I've seen things on TV. <laughs> right, okay. Well, for those who have, uh, the you'll know that 42 is the answer to life and everything. So... The question of life, the universe, and everything is 42. So right. there we go. That's the end of the podcast, and good night. <laughs> no, come on. We've got lots to talk about. Right, okay. So coming up on this episode of 42, at the Big School podcast, we've got Project Aware, Jen. We have Ian Campbell. We have, so, yeah. Norwich yeah. guy. Yeah, local to us. That's, yeah, that's the most in, local guest we've ever had. I think so. Yeah, I think so. So uh, on the East Coast of England, there we go. And that's where he's based. And he, from there, he looks after the whole part of a project where... Worldwide. Worldwide, yeah. yeah. So he's got you know, a lot to do, keeps him busy. And um, he's always tweeting and going at He's very active, sharing. yeah. So uh, that's really good. But anyway, we'll come back to that. Come back to Ian shortly. Just before we do, you'll see there's something between us. And this is a scooter. So we're going to be selling some scooters to our lovely... Uh, partners and friends over at Barefoot and Green Company. Uh, look out for them. Yeah, and they're eco-friendly, they're electric. So um, just plug them in and they've got a massive range so you could then not use public transport and use this instead. Yeah, so uh, yeah, these are, these are awesome actually. So I've got colour-coded on the, on the top. It tells yeah. you how fast you're going. Amazing light. Yeah, that's dazzled everybody, Jeff. Well <laughs> and uh, so you've got little Star Warsy type triggers that make things go, which is really handy. But the bike, brilliant. Look out for the bike as well. So uh, these are really good. Um, we'll be doing some bits and bobs with the bike and the scooter. Yeah, we'll do some videos. You've got a, you've got a crash hat and you know, elbow pads. Elbow pads, knee pads. All the gear. <laughs> so um, yeah, look out for that. Also, we are partners to Stream to Sea. Stream to Sea, yeah. Just checking to see if you knew the name. <laughs> um, who sell shampoo, all the eco-friendly things like that? Yeah, hand sanitizer. So they're completely friendly. If they go in the sea, doesn't matter. No. So, and also, we um, if you are looking for a camera, a dive camera, if you're looking for a power lens, you know, uh, look no further. There's be links in the show notes of how you can go to them and go get uh, order a new Fiquita or the original dive ca uh, dive camera as well yeah and they're brilliant to use aren't they brilliant yeah so well made so uh, look out for those and also very quickly if you look for a drone DJI we've got a couple of links where you can get some discount yeah. on getting a uh, DJI drone so and there's loads of people out there now using them to make content and take some fabulous stuff we, uh, we've got one and we called it the uh, Eagle, yeah. didn't we? So uh, Eagle One. Just so we can say the Eagle's landed, that's all. <laughs> no other reason. But it's perfect Eagle's time landed. for Christmas presents, got scooters, bikes, drones, Certainly is. cameras. Yeah. So uh, there we go. But look on the show notes, it's all in there. All right. Okay. So, uh, but anyway, you know, we digress. It'd be time to talk to Project Aware. It certainly is. And we've done Project Aware because with our last episode was with Kate Rag. If you haven't listened to Kate Rag yet, look them up. But they uh, uh, refer to Project Aware as well. So, uh, and they're quite closely knit linked. So it's a really good episode to follow on from Kate Rag. All right. Jen, is there anything else? No, I think we'll get straight in and listen to Ian Campbell from Project Aware. On there we episode go. Episode 42. Awesome. Right, let's go. How are you? Yeah, really well. Yeah, yes, well, yeah. Thank, thank you for joining no us. No problem. So Ian Campbell from Project Aware, thank you for joining us on the Big Scuba podcast today. 
thanks for thanks for inviting me yeah no you're welcome so first of all would you like to tell us a bit about yourself and your involvement in project aware or how you got to be involved in project aware Certainly, yeah. So um, I am the Associate Director of Policy and Campaigns in Project, Project Aware. Um, for those of you that don't know who Project Aware is, it was the conservation programme that was started out by Paddy nearly 30 years ago. And it started off as a, as an, as a kind of branch of, of Paddy and um, very quickly became uh, very big. Obviously, a lot of divers very in, keen and interested and invested in conservation. So it became its own uh, NGO, its own charity, um, very soon after being uh, developed. And I joined in 2018 um, uh, to run the kind of cons uh, the, the uh, policy and the conservation programs um, there. I, I previously, I've uh, had a quite a varied career in, uh, in marine conservation and fisheries and uh, pretty much spent my time in the oceans in one form or another. So yeah, and it was a great opportunity to join Project West, some great programs going on all over the world, and um, I've now found myself back in the UK, um, ensconced in marine debris and shark and ray work. So, do you look after just the east of England, or do you look after the whole UK, or have the global there? the global program? So, Project Aware. When I so I'd worked I, before I joined Project Aware, I'd worked with Project Aware um, extensively when I was at WWF and uh, and with other organisations. And Project Aware has projects all over the world, yeah. and it's a it's a global reach. And I was surprised at how small a team Project Aware actually is. It's only 10 people. Wow. Um, so we coordinate um, the, the work all over the world. We have an office in, um, we, we have offices in the PADI offices. So we kind of mm -hmm. still um, still have strong links to the PADI systems. So we have an office in Sydney, and we have an office in Bristol, and we have an office in the US. So the kind of global scope and global outreach. And I oversee or the, the global work, uh, the global conservation and policy work. Yeah. Um, so yes, not 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 uh, confined to any one particular geographic location. Do you find that um, there's times of the year more busier than others uh, globally, or is it just a really busy job? And... It's a constant. There's, there's because we work on quite a wide variety of issues. Um, the two main ones that we focus on is marine debris. And we work on shark and ray conservation, and those don't have uh, seasons or cycles. And you know, mm -hmm. if, if they do in one country, they they kind of taken up by another country. So it's a pretty much a full time, you know, maybe a double full time job uh, all year round. Mm -hmm. Right. Yeah. And then, because you've also got other partners, like with um, our well, mutual partners, like with Reef World. Yep. Well, yeah. So how do you how how does that relationship work? How do because they're quite a small band as well, aren't yeah. they? Yeah. So what we, um, so how Project Aware works from a conservation perspective is we uh, say work on a geographic, a huge global scale, yeah. but we work with local partners all around the world on specific issues in their regions, you know, on their specific reefs in their, in their waters. And what we try to do is to provide um, assistance, provide sort of strategic oversight policy guidance, um, as to to local partners, and this is all over the world, to um, to get involved in conservation um, efforts in their in their region, but also link it up globally. So while we we're, we're much more of a kind of facilitator and a convener um, organisation mm -hmm. to small local partners around the world. Right. Okay. Yeah. That's good. So outside of COVID times, did you actually get to travel globally as well, or is it yeah. more coordination? Yes. Um, there, with what we try to, my, my, my role really is to try and take all the, um, the local efforts that have been done all over the world and uh, to get these efforts in front of the political decision makers to show that there's, A, there's concern by, you know, a huge component of, uh, of countries, um, you know, economies, which is the tourism and dive economy, um, tackling huge major issues on, on marine conservation. So I, I did have a lot of travel pre times when there were planes um, uh, which we've obviously tried to minimize as much as possible and what we have found with one of the things that of COVID is that lots of uh, government meetings that had you know they, it was you had to travel to them and if you weren't traveling them and you weren't in the room you didn't get a voice they're, they're finding out that actually these things can be done a lot more virtually so one of the small blessings that's coming out of coronavirus is that political decisions still have to be made 
um, but they're with the, the enforced restrictions of travel. It's um, it's kind of making the governments think about how can they include civil society. Quite an interesting point. What's your thoughts on that then? Because like you know, once um, hopefully you know, some yeah. people can start exploring the globe again. You know, do you think with the view of Project Aware and being green and watching yeah. carbon footprint and all that, do you think yeah, <clears throat> a uh, organization you'll get you'll continue have more meetings via zoom and these type things or do you think you'll go back to actually having physical meetings as a where you've got to get on planes and that it's it all depends on the objective of what we're working to mm. and so, so even pre-covid times um you know we took great care to minimize the uh, the uh, the um carbon footprint that we had on travel. Sometimes it was inevitable, but sometimes it's just kind of part of the normal way of thinking. But now we've got a new uh, new normal way of thinking. Um, moving forward, um, we want to minimize, especially internally, you know, we're, we're minimizing um, uh, traveling internally for global meetings and, and even regional um, meetings. Um, sometimes um, in large scale policy meetings, a bit like the one in, you know, I think it's going, still going ahead in Glasgow with the, the um, climate change meeting of, of governments. Sometimes for huge things like that, if you're not in the room, you're kind of very easy to be ignored. And what we find, what I found with virtual meetings is you're given a, a, a slot to talk about issues that you, you, um, that you are, uh, that, that your organization represents, be you a government or an NGO like we are. And once your talking slot ends, that's the almost the end of the engagement. Whereas in the in-person meetings, you really have a chance to discuss and drill down finer issues um, with governments. And, and one of the um, issues that we've worked on is shark conservation. And without the kind of really taking governments on a journey that the, of conservation journey, you know, which it, you need to kind of have beyond that face-to-face, -face, that, that you know, initial virtual um, setup. Um, you're not, you know, you're not necessarily meeting objectives, but certainly it's 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 um, it's provided an opportunity for the whole global network to realise. Hang on a second, these a lot of things can be done that don't necessarily need this this huge impact. Quite interesting, though, isn't it? That the fact that you've uh, to make to be part of the decision making, you've actually got to get on a flight to to actually be in the room to be yeah. counted, yeah. where really the governments should actually be saying. The opposite. It, it's it's com complete. It's it's and it's 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 doubly hard for a. Well, I understand. Not, not, yeah, not 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 hard. It's it's a it's a position from our perspective, from a from an NGO. So so our again the, the people that we represent are civil society. It's it's yeah. members of the public, and you have these large government meetings. Let's take take fisheries for example. So you have fisheries meetings happening all around the world. Now there's a couple happening virtually. Uh, at the moment but generally they happen a couple of times a year and all the governments that fish a certain um, a certain stock or certain species meet all around the world and all the fishing industry they travel out all around the world and they get a big say and a huge sway in decisions that are made and for an for an NGO representing civil society and we're not the only one there's a few as Greenpeace, WWF, sort of Shark Trust in the UK um, we're representing the, the public and we are trying to hold public servants to account and they're managing a public resource like fish and they're using public money to do it. It's, they're kind of, it's, it's a difficult position to say, we need to be in there to represent the public. Otherwise decisions are made without any, any questioning, without any scrutiny, without any oversight. Yeah. So as if meetings continue in a, in a to be had in face-to-face -face meeting, we would need to be there just to represent our, our kind of constituents. And it's better to have, you know, be one person or one organization or a few organizations re representing millions of people than yeah. having, you know, thousands yeah. of people. But it's, it's the problem. You've got the, you've got that, the, the fishing industry or the, or it could be the, the, um, the oil industry. They, they, they have people in the face-to-face. -face. So it's in their interest to have face-to-face yeah. -face meetings. Yeah. 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 Let's start back a bit. Let's talk yeah. about you and your diving. And yeah. And your di your own diving experience because yep. I believe you uh, spent time as a commercial diver. That's right. Yeah, my diving started back. I won't tell you the, the exact year. I'll tell you how old I am. <laughs> um, but yeah, I, I I sort of lived brought up by the sea and I'd never really dived. Did a bit of you know I call it surfing. It was in the UK, so you got like inch high waves. 
in the UK, but spent my time around the sea. And um, when I went to university, I studied marine biology. Yeah. And the one of the things that attracted me was not only the sort of Jacques Cousteau programs and, and Jaws. Uh, you know, now I'm giving away how old I am. Being in films. Um, but, Gemma, then. <laughs> <laughs> but it it also the, the degree also came with a with a a commercial scuba certificate because you did some some um, some uh, scientific scuba diving. So that I, I went up to Edinburgh and learned to dive in the Orkney Islands in March. Which March. Definitely, definitely. <laughs> that was definitely dry suit diving. Tasty. <laughs> with yeah, so I, 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 that's where I learned to dive. I, I um, hadn't done any, any BSAC or any recreational scuba diving um, up until that point. Um, then when I left university, I, I kind of travelled around the world a little bit, trying to doing a little bit of work in you know, young guy going abroad. I sold down pretty much everything that was nailed down uh, in of my <laughs> possessions. Used that. I went to the Bahamas for a while to study sharks and to Greece to to study kind of I say study it was I was kind of helping out other people studying sea turtles and um, it was a great life for a okay. young guy yeah yeah until the bank manager kind of taps you in the shoulder said yeah you kind of need to the, the money's going one way <laughs> you need to have some money coming the other way so I, uh, I this would have been ninety seven I think I sometime around that time I decided to upgrade my commercial scuba to um, the commercial um, sort of HSE part one the uh, offshore commercial mm. um, uh, certificate. So yeah, I was a commercial diver for seven years. I did mm. everything from underwater laboring. I've cleaned, um, I've cleaned nuclear submarines in a in an Royal Navy base. I've uh, I've welded badly anodes onto <laughs> onto dock walls. Um, offshore, I did some offshore work in in the Middle East and the deep uh, stuff. And, no, no, none of it's deep. None of it is deep. It's all basically work that a laborer would do but can't get to because it's underwater so um yeah you're the deepest that you tend to go is about a, but you, you, the deepest you can go is is 50 meters deepest you would go would be 30 meters your average is five or five to ten meters yeah so yeah yeah it was a, it was great i mean it was a great job because you know it was one of those jobs that was great and horrendous in equal measures in that you're self-employed so you know mm. once the job ends you're going to go where's the next job coming from um and it was but the good and the good things it, it changed every single job you could have a job for a day where you're putting in a tide gauge in a canal right through to kind of um laying new foundations for um for, for uh, a ferry terminal so it was um yeah it was really really interesting yeah. The, yeah and what what happened towards the towards the end of my so it's a very it's very as a a single man's you know live in a suitcase kind of a job so you literally had to um, wait by the phone for a, for a call I guess so self-employed and if you turn a job down you know that someone else is going to get that job and then they're going to be in the organization so it was all pretty much you know living on the phone waiting for the jobs to come in and I found myself because I was a marine biologist by training I found myself um, being used more and more to do um, ecological surveys so for example they'd be doing um, Building, a, say, building a new ferry port, mm. they need to do an environmental survey, so they get the commercial diver, and he kind of knows what he's talking about. So go and do it. And I realised that there was a, I was being kind of maybe like exploited is the wrong word, but sort of skill set was being used that I wasn't necessarily um, advancing. So I went back to university and um, did my masters, and then kind of moved into the conservation side from there. Yeah, that's amazing. So, yeah, yeah it's an interesting way to yeah, kind of get to where you are now. Yeah, and one of the things that always um, made me laugh was um, when I, so up until before I came to join Project Away, I worked for WWF, uh, the World Wildlife Fund um, for Nature. I was based in Fiji, um, working on the shark and ray, their global shark and ray conservation work. And when I finished um, my commercial dive career, which had been seven, eight years or so, I did say to anyone, look, if anyone sees me near any dive kit again, please shoot me. I never want to see a dive kit ever again. And then I got a job in Fiji. And I was like, well, maybe I was a little bit harsh. There. So diving in Fiji was a bit different than diving in a canal in, uh, in Liverpool. But um, yeah. <laughs> Do you log your dive still? Yeah. Uh, no, no. I, 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 I kind of, after the first, because when you commercial diving, you can be doing three or four dives a day, or you could be doing one dive for like maybe three or four hours, or you could be doing 20 minute dips and all depends what you're doing and then just to, th there was so much paperwork anyway just to mm -hmm. keep a log of your dives would have been that extra piece of paperwork where you just want to go to bed and, and fall asleep so yeah. no i don't think i've logged a dive um for, for quite a while 
Yeah. We spoke to some people and they, they kind of stop and then they've gone back to it. And yeah, and then they regret not logging. I, <laughs> I wish I had kept it. So I've got the, maybe the first, I'd say, 12 months of my commercial career, I've got my logbooks filled out. And I wish I'd kept them because then I could go back and have so my memories starting to go now. Um, but uh, yeah, yeah, I, I still have that, you know, that, that buyer's remorse, you know, that, yeah. that I wish I'd, wish I'd kept up with that. When did you last dive for like a pleasure dive? When did I last pleasure dive? I think that would have been... Did you dive in the UK? Not after living in Fiji. <laughs> <laughs> not after extensively diving the UK in dry suit diving, then diving in Fiji, which was all either just in your shorts or your... Amazing. Tough number. Yeah. Coming back to the thought of... I've, I've had so many dry suit zips burst commercially diving and, you know, absolutely soaking wet and you get out. It's even wetter above the water than it is under the water now. <laughs> I've gone very, the South Pacific made me very soft when it came to, <laughs> comes to temperature. But yeah, the last dive I've done, um, I would say, I think it was last year in California. It was kind of work and kind of pleasure where we did, um, uh, so we have a program called Dive Against Debris. So Project Aware have this big global program where we get try to get divers to go out and pick up marine debris. So we log that and we use that information to, to assess the underwater sea environment. And I did a Mike's dive against debris. It was a little bit choppy and, and the water was, a, was, was not a huge great viz, but it was in just off California. I think it was last year. So. Yeah. Yeah. Well, the way things are, you might want to jump into the UK waters. Again. I, I tell you, <laughs> no, if you'd have, you know, if somebody told me at the beginning of the year that, yeah, you're not going to dive, you know, um, and I was saying, well, that's okay, you won't die. But if they told me if you're not going to dive and you're not going to, that, that's out of your, your hands. The minute it's out of your hands, you go, well, I actually want to dive. And, yeah. and for me, the, the diving in the UK is, is beautiful you know i've done some really great great dives i've not necessarily appreciated because i've been doing work dives um it's just for me that the temperature thing now is i've gone i'm too old to yeah i yeah i was out so i started off probably the harder you know you can't start off any hardier than learning in the orkney islands in march you know that is you know you if you if you don't build up some kind of hardiness to diving there and then of course i ended up in south pacific in 24 degree water again now oh, this is what diving is a bit did you get up at scapa no we so I, we did one recreational dive on scapa but no it was all so this was the the it was commercial scuba for our degree so yeah. it was all learning the techniques of mm. scuba. So it was all about um, search and recovery and doing transects, uh, collecting data. So we didn't do any. So we met all the people who were doing the great dives in the Orkneys. Yeah. We never did. We did one. Um, and I think the, the viz wasn't great when we did it. So, um, but yeah, I, this, when I, I haven't even got the kit anymore. I haven't got the, 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 the UK dive kit. I think when I do build up my, my dive kit again, I will dip the toe back in the UK. <laughs> <laughs> yeah it's a good place to yeah start isn't it yeah absolutely yeah so just a little interval from this episode ian and i work hard to bring guests and content across our podcast platforms social media and our youtube channel the big scuba would you like to become involved Become a supporter, a sponsor, a Patreon of The Big Scuba. There are several levels of contribution, the smallest being just $2. If you'd like to become a patron of The Big Scuba podcast, please go to www.patreon.com forward slash The Big Scuba podcast. There you will see the levels of support. You can be an octopus, a dolphin, an orca or a mighty blue whale. Just for the $2, you'll receive a shout out on our next episode. We look forward to welcoming you to the Big Scuba podcast community. Right, back to the episode. So in terms of Project Aware, do you find people are actively coming to you to get more involved or is it more a sort of you have to shout to get people involved? Um, so, so weirdly, despite our name it's more about p making people divers aware of project aware um i think that's that's the thing that we uh we tend to have to shout about is that we're doing this work you know um we would like your help with it i, I find that divers and no matter who you train with um they're more naturally uh, find an affinity to conservation than they do to learning to do extra 
components of diving you know it's it's mm -hmm. when you must have seen this yourselves you know you get a diver in the water they can't help themselves pick up any piece of rubbish that they see yeah. on the seabed so it's almost hardwired into 99 percent of divers so once they know the, the programs we do you know it's it's more or less of like we need to kind of manage the expectation as opposed to you know please help us but it's just about getting the word out about what project aware does and what we're mm -hmm. doing and we're about to start you know um developing new areas of work so it's uh it, this time this uh pandemic time has given us a little bit of uh reflection time to see what has worked really well right how can we take this to the next level when things start to open up again do you find the awareness week worked well for you yes yes yeah. it's, it's worked really well it's um when you've got something that's um coordinated globally because we yeah, you, it it tends to get media coverage and when and, and it's all about once you get media traction you then get people going well what is this aware week i'll look into it and then you get people going like this sounds There's interesting and media, yeah. yeah yeah and you know and, and part of being a, a civil society organization a key component is communication so we need to be able to not just um do you know great stuff on on, on uh, shark conservation or, or marine debris or any other components but we need to be, a, to be able to tell people what we're doing but also we can't do it without the dive community so the dive community know that if they go out and do a dive and collect you know one plastic bottle it's actually part of a huge jigsaw piece of conservation so the, the, the communications piece is, is huge for us mm, yeah and obviously in your career have you actively yourself noticed a big difference between you know jumping in the water when you first started to kind of what we're dealing with now um yeah yes i have i i've noticed it's a bit like sort of noticing the school kids are, who are more aware of climate change than they were when i was in school and i've noticed that divers and especially when i was when i was in fiji we worked with a lot of um dive operators up there too we worked on on protecting sort of small protected areas for things like manta rays and doing shark protections uh, and doing um uh, doing uh, marine debris cleanups and you had much more uh, engagement from divers from all over the world lots from the uk australia um australia um, the us all came out actively looking to do dives that had a conservation focal point uh, they weren't just coming to do learn to dive with the pretty corals and the lovely fish species mm -hmm. they genuinely wanted to come out and uh, to, to to have their dive mean something and be part of something so that i've seen that that change not just since i was started but but over the past five ten years yeah that's good and you mentioned um sharks and rays is that something that you're particularly passionate about yeah i'm a, i'm a so i'm a kind of shark i wouldn't i'm not, not, not going to call myself a biologist anymore I, <laughs> yeah i've got i've got the mug the jaws mug in front of me and i've got i'm basically surrounded by yeah shark yeah there's sharks so i'm i am um, yeah so i i'm gonna say i started out as a shark biologist but i'm now a cons working conservation and I was lucky enough um, back in 2013 to to work for WWF to lead their shark and ray their global shark and ray conservation work. Um, sharks, they, they, it was what kind of one of the jaws was one of those big huge things that did draw me into to yeah. uh, to study marine biology. And I know there's lots of anecdotal um, stories about I saw jaws, I never want to dive again. And then the minute I hear I get in the water, I hear the you know, the, the cello playing, and I want to get out. But for me, it was a completely opposite kind of effect i sort of saw this film that made my jaw drop as i can't kind of hold i was probably too young to watch it under the <laughs> under the guidelines and um plus i grew up to see i saw sharks being caught you know small dogfish and, and mm. top being caught um in the... yeah. oh, yes. oh, okay if you haven't uh, i'm i'm glad you said yes so i wouldn't have spoken to you if you hadn't seen jaws this way i'm glad you double checked i should i should have done my due diligence to find out you know <laughs> done this but yeah you know it, 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 and the jacques cousteau programs were huge when i was younger so they were on tv you know um jaws just come out the that we I live in a fishing village so the, the whole you know the whole all, all the planets aligned and it kind of drew me into Cousteau, he has inspired so many people yeah. so many people we spoke to he's always all mentioned put, yeah, yeah. All, always mentioned isn't it? Yeah. Yeah. so many people and you know i remember when you know when i was younger his tv programs were on primetime tv that he was like almost the, the attenborough of his day that was kind yeah. of um you know had the he had the he'd almost um you know uh, um cornered the the kind of media aspect and it was 
all focused on the underwater environment. So it was, you know, it wasn't like the, the kind of the Dave Admiral program where it takes you know, rainforests and oceans and everything. This was purely um, this, this alien world that, you know, nobody ever really saw before. Mm. And you, you, it was the closest that you would see to, a, to an astronaut, you know, that was actually on and, and, and was achievable, you know, mm. to, to, to people. So uh, that's probably what ticked, ticked all my boxes. And uh, I went to a marine biology, studied seaweed and plankton and mud and thought that this didn't. I don't remember Cousteau <laughs> talking about all this stuff. <laughs> have, you got favorite, have you got a favourite shark species of shark? I do. I, I, it's, um, it's the, probably one of the most boring. It's one of the most ubiquitous. If you ever dive in, kind of tropical, it's the black tip reef shark. So it's the little. It looks like. Yep. I don't know if you've ever seen one. They're quite small. Christine um, Sonata will be your friend forever. I know Christine. Yeah, I know Christine. But they're just, they're, they're everything. So they, they, they look like a classic shark. They've got beautiful kind of shape. They, they if you, you don't have to dive, you can snorkel and you'll see them. Obviously, you need to be in the right kind of geographical locations. And they're quite friendly. You know, I've seen them. My, my, in fact, when we went, when we moved to Fiji, my daughter was the, she was two at the time. I mean, just turned three. And she was the first one of all of us to see a shark live, and it was a little black tip reef shark that swam mm. past her. And yeah, so they, I just, I just think they're, and and because they education, isn't it? Oh, it is, and and one of the things that I love is because they they live in such the shot, you know, the top couple of meters. When the sun is shining, you get the kind of you know the dapple rippling effect when they're swimming. Just you know, the, so they, mm. I'm I could wax lyrical of black tip reef sharks yeah. <laughs> yeah no that's good and it's things like that that are good to get people you know involved in or hear about project aware as well i guess isn't it absolutely yeah yeah and, and yeah. it's for the for the, you know if you do dive in in any kind of tropical region it's huge one of the mainly one of the most dive parts of the of the world divers will have seen black tip reef sharks but one of the things that kind of when it's people say sharks, I often say a lot of the rays, so the, the sort of the little sting rays and the little, um, all, all the little little rays you get everywhere. They people forget they're sharks too, and they 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 get really overlooked in conservation. So ray, you know, of the um, and then I'm going to get this wrong because I don't have the figures in front of me, but of the ten most endangered elasmobranchs, which is sharks and rays, rays make up seven of them. So rays are kind of more endangered than, than sharks. And when everyone talks about sharks, they always think of the classic, you know, the fin and the teeth and the and the gills and the but rays. So we work a lot on on, on rays as well, and that's the thing where you use the shark as a gateway. You say, well, this yes, this is a big issue, but also this is as uh, as big, if not an even bigger issue. Do you work with like the other in other organisations as well, though. Like you've got Manta Pacific, and yeah, you know, you have because we had them on, didn't we? Yeah, we did. We we work with a lot. So basically, any organisation that works in conservation needs to work in coalition. The, the, any organization that tells you we've got the, we've got the answer, you know, we know what's happening is, you know, is, doesn't have the answer because you need, there's so many different issues from climate change to marine debris, to overfishing, to, you know, all, all these. They've got the tracking app, haven't they? Yeah. And, and we, 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 we stay to Manta Pacific and I'm not, I don't think we're, We've got a direct... Manta Trust as well. Manta, yeah, so Manta Trust, we, so we work very closely with Manta Trust. And um, when, in fact, just to show how small and incestuous world the, uh, the, the, the marine <laughs> conservation world is. Uh, when I was in WWF, um, I, um, I led our work on a responsible shark and ray tourism guide. So um, WWF kind of were, wanted to develop this guide. But obviously, WWF is not a... It's not a it's not got huge links to the to the tourism industry so we brought in project aware when i was in wwf and the manta trust because we had the shark expertise so the three organizations manta trust wwf and project aware developed a global best practice guide for for operators you know, anywhere no matter where you are if you've got shark kind of tourism i then left WF and joined project aware so then i was kind of taking over the one component of the work that i'd already drafted and manta trust had kind of um, developed it so yeah it to really get any traction from a conservation perspective, you need to have these wide coalitions uh, to, to really tackle all the issues. Yeah, and it's a global thing as well, isn't it? So Completely. you've got to be, yeah, that accessible for, yeah. And like I say, you know, the, the Manta Trust, they wouldn't have been able to do the shark components, you know, because they have, but, but they've got the world, some of the world's leading experts on the on mantas. That, so taking that component into it, and with rays, you know, often getting overlooked in conservation, 
it's important to get them to get that component into the into the picture yeah. as well. Yeah. And I'm sure some of our listeners will not realise shark the connection between sharks and rays. The, the, <laughs> there's there um, now then Nick Dulvey, who is a he's the, he's based in Canada. He actually went to University of East Anglia um, to study. Um, big, tall, gangly Northern Irish guy. Now he's co-chair of the IUCN, which is the global kind of scientific body. Uh, he's co-chair of the shark specialist group. And kind of, he always calls rays a little uh, shark pancakes of wonder. He says people forget that they're actually sharks that just been squashed uh, down. But yeah, so for those non-biologists, um, so you get fish, you know, your fish that you see every day, you, you know, well, not see every day, but you know, fish people know about the cod and your, your flatfish. They have bones in like we do. And obviously sharks and rays, uh, they don't, they have cartilage, cartilage like we have in your, in your nose and your ear. So they're called elasmobranchs and they are, they both have that, um, have that uh, biological uh, facet in, in uh, similar, in um, uh, a similar component. Yeah. We saw a huge cod, didn't we? It's an abs, yeah. didn't we? Yeah. Yeah. Just underneath this uh, rock, didn't we? Yeah. Just sitting there. Yeah. Massive great big cod. Yeah. We, 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 we used diving at the time, were you? Yeah, yeah, yeah it was awesome. That was down yeah. at about 12 metres. Yeah, wasn't like it? Yeah, so right because there. water was getting colder, they're starting to yeah. move in. Yeah. How, how close did you get to that? That's Because that's, uh, they're, they're, they're impressive beasts, aren't they? I would say within a couple of metres. A couple of metres, yeah. 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 And impressive. I sell fish for a living, so you have to see a living cod. <laughs> it's just. <laughs> That's what it looks like. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. I've seen rays in the uh, in the med in the yeah. Red sea. Yeah. yeah. Uh, beautiful to, to see. Yeah. yeah. Really impressive. The, the UK, the, the life around the UK is compared to something like the med, the med is has been overfished. Yeah. You know, I think there's not a single species of shark that's not endangered. That you know that so every you know you go to the med and it's nice and warm and you see a few things, but Around the UK, if you you know, as long as you can bear the temperature and get close enough to see things, you know, there's some phenomenal life around yeah. the, in the UK. Yeah, it's awesome stuff. And it's yeah. great, you know, as a new diver to know that and not think, well, I've got to go to you know some tropical place. No, because we've uh, got, got it here now, haven't we? And uh, yeah. And I remember, um, so I used to work for a once I sort of packed in the the commercial diving, went back to college. And I worked for a marine survey firm, and we were doing. Um, work around Hastings on the south coast. Um, there was an aggregate dredging uh, license, so we were just monitoring the fisheries, a big Dover sole um, um, fishery uh, there. And we were monitoring the fishery, pulling the nets, other fishermen were pulling the nets in to see that, but, you know, it's a very sustainable, clean fishery, you know, MSC certified. And as I was on the back of this small um, fishing board, I saw a bit of the seaweed and it's kind of just moving slightly. And I asked the fishermen what What's up with that small bit of seaweed? It's actually it was a seahorse. It was, it was we found two or three little seahorses on that were just caught in the nets, uh, you know. And then you, the, the fishermen, the first thing they did was that they put some seaweed in the bucket, the seahorse in the bucket. They took them back to uh, the Hastings Sea Life Centre where they got a seahorse breeding program because uh, you know these are obviously um, species that I come with. They're endangered or vulnerable, but they you know they're not very common. Mm. So you know the it was just. Just to be able to see this, you know, if you if you're diving down there, there's, there's a chance you can see all these things. Yeah, it's great stuff. Yeah, yeah, and obviously part of our podcast, we want to encourage non-divers, you know, for them to listen to us as well. But yeah, and, you know, and in terms of Project Aware, you know, that's obviously important to you as well. Divers can do the speciality, can't they? Yes, yeah. So you know, a lot of the um, so the the aware especially is a non-diving especially. If you want to, if you just want an introduction. To, to basic marine conservation issues, um, you know, it's good for non-divers. But when we look at at the kind of seeing the, the journey of of you know, if a diver goes out and collects a piece of debris or, or does something, how does that fit in the big scheme of things? Well, we the only reason that we um, we can get policy change or, or or get conservation policy change is because we're a, we represent civil society mm. and even just getting supported and that's people just even tweeting or liking what we do non-divers that gives us the validity to be in front of the policymakers to represent the whole kind of choir of conservation so you don't need to be a diver to to be part of that journey you know even one diver collecting a piece of debris and one non-diver who sort of tweets the support at a, at a minister that's all part of the journey that that kind of needs to happen for conservation yeah. to, to really change yeah, that's a really important message as well. Yeah, because we don't want to be exclusive, you know, to no, dive. 
Not at all. You see, and, you know, and like so, divers are, are the ones who can kind of see some things, but the non-diving community, a, you know, if you don't dive, get out there and learn to do it and, and see what dive, you can do. You have to go to a, a dive centre to get that signed off. Uh, it, it gets usually part of a of a of a dive centre that, that teaches a specialty. Yeah. Mm. Yeah. Okay. Then you get then you get the the, the kind of project aware little certificate um, uh, that states you've done that. During the lockdown, seeing uh, a lot of stuff on social media about you know do this uh, dry courses or you know. Yeah, and and that's one of the things that we worked especially you know as we got links to we got much stronger links to to Paddy than, than to Bezac, but it's all about trying to help because the tourism industry was was hit. Yeah. From day one, you know, and it uh, hit day one and hit hard from day one. When the minute that um, travel restrictions are brought in, and also the huge confusion—not that there's much clarity now—but the huge confusions of what you can do and couldn't do. Yeah. Um, lots of dive operators all over the world were, were hit hit very hard. So one of the things that we were trying to um, immediately help from from a coronavirus perspective is to get um, small operators say, "Look, there's actually dry courses that you can do that." Can, can drive some business towards you you know that okay you're not going to get the, the the diving component but for us it's really important because we need that broad church of people to get conservation done so um yeah it's quite a, it's key for us but also a, a key to help the dive industry that's been really really hit hard oh yeah, it has, yeah. yeah. so what does the future hold for project aware uh the future is kind of exciting and a little bit unknown um so unknown as to we don't know when the timelines when things are going to start you know getting back to whatever the normal is going to be like but it's given us time to you want to go back to, to normal. sorry you want to go back to normal um I'd, no i okay so i wouldn't like to go back to normal as in i mean i've just been putting a, a, a sort of a Few bits and pieces together about what's happened and you know the uk you know the, the world has missed all its sustainable development goals for 2020 all of them it hasn't hit, hasn't met one um you, you look at oil spills in mauritius you look at the still the amount of debris we we collect debris and the amount that's coming in is still eye-watering so going back to just monitoring what's happening no i don't want to go back to that i want to we want to go back to really really tackling and, and really um coordinating the dive community and regardless who you get trained with you know or whether you're a diver um to really kind of tackle the big issues so it's when you say go back to normal i you know i so dive yeah dive tourism really can drive conservation so i'll give you an example from from fiji as to how dive tourism a tangible example of improvement so when i was based in fiji um there was a economic analysis of the dive tour of, of shark and ray diving to the Fiji, um, the Fiji government and the Fiji economy. And in 2010, it was worth 42.2 million US dollars. So that's just shark and ray diving. So not, not all diving. And this is, a, you know, Fiji is a tiny country of 800,000 people. It's a very small economy. That was a huge yeah, chunk of change. Yeah. Um, and that was, you know, if you go a diver, you come along, you stay with a hotel, you buy a few beers, you know, buying meals, whatever. So that was the economic analysis. We worked with the Fijian government and said, if you don't protect these, this is the this is the industry that you're going to lose or going to devalue. The minute the um, the Attorney General saw that and the minister was like, we are, right, what can we do? Fiji then went to um, this regional meeting about fisheries across the whole South Pacific and they drove through protections for sharks and rays across the entire South Pacific. That's an area bigger than the surface of the moon and it's all because of the value of the tourism now i'm you know you probably you're going to be kind of very honest tourism is not going to solve conservation issues you, you you're never going to kind of there's lots of arguments of what is a is a shark worth more alive than it is dead well it all depends to whom is it more valuable to a diver or to a to a guy who wants to feed his community but the when you put it into an economic argument that's when you really can um, add some leverage to stuff. So tourism can play a huge, huge role because divers and dive operators are economic stakeholders. You're not just talking about conservation for the sake of conservation, which is all very well and good. But the minute you put dollars or pounds or pence on something, that's when governments go, okay, hang on a second, you've got a point here. And plus, everyone's got a camera and they can report back like sightings and these things. And this is the thing that we want to really ramp up in 2021 and onwards. 
So we've got a, this global program of, uh, of marine debris. We want to really uh, supersize that and we're going to develop new components for citizen science and we want every dive to be a survey dive. So, you know, you've got people yeah. going around the world. Science. Yeah, you've got everyone, you've got pe- pretty much people going around the world with scientific recording equipment, you know, like say uh, GoPros, cameras, um, dive, dive computers, your dive computer can monitor physical parameters, you know, something yeah. that yeah, temperature. We work with temperature. Power lines, and one of the things with power lines you can do is on yeah. their app, you can even put on their sightings of different yeah. species and that, and that you know, because automatically tells you the depths. Yeah, you can yeah. all that in. Uh, the, the more re- so basically, there's an army of people underwater all around the world, and they're the only ones who can actually get first-hand knowledge of what's happening, you know, yeah. under the water around the world. And then what we want to do is then supersize that out to the non-diving community to say, right, okay, this is what's happening. Now we need to really shake the tree of the decision makers. And that's when it's just, you know, it's, you don't have to be a diver. You don't have to be 18 or 16 or meet minimum age requirements. You know, if you are, you know, capable of getting in touch with, with, a, with your decision maker, you know, my daughter, she wrote a letter to her MP um, the other day about, about uh, some issues. That's as valid as kind of, yeah. Taking that, taking it to the next level. You know, yeah. it's the whole spectrum. Yeah, yeah. that is. Yeah. yeah, yeah, and it's divers, non-divers again, isn't it? Yeah. Completely, oh, completely. Yeah. yeah, and need to use it. Yeah. Yeah, no, that's really exciting stuff. It is, yeah, and, and you know, we we, we, uh, we have previously fo- focused on, on, say, shark and ray conservation because they're some of the most endangered kind of marine species, marine debris, because we've got a very successful programme. We will be bringing in some new programmes uh, new work areas um, 2021 is really exciting it's going to require sort of buy-in from the entire dive industry but also from non-divers and, and kind of things like this 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 podcast just just getting the word out and yeah. kind of raising this profile and raising this you know make people aware of aware you know that's so one of the issues. have now heard this where are they best to go if they want to get involved um come to the project aware's website if they want any information um you know even contact information you know if they wanted to contact me um go to the project aware projectware.org um and all the information what we do is on there um also and and contact details there's a there's even if they want to email us there's an email info box which gets you know it's one of those things that actually gets to my email address it's not one of the things that disappears into a black hole um as we're a very small organization you know we we if we get lots of um, you know, it takes, sometimes it takes us a while to get through things, but we we we're a we're a very um, personal organisation. We're quite small. We're not. I work for you know when I work for large organisations where you know you got thousands of employees and things get a bit messed. But we're a very sort of small yeah. org, and we we tend to get back to people straight away. Yeah, that's good. Yeah, yeah. yeah and this... In fact, you you contacted us through the through the info box. I think it was yeah, yeah. So you know, and as yeah. soon as we saw that, absolutely, yeah, we get back in touch with you, and here we are. Brilliant. Yeah. Should we start our Yeah, so we, um, ha- all our guests, we ask uh, yeah. questions, um, yeah, and just build up a bank of, yeah, different answers, because everybody's so different. Yeah. Um, so the first one is, what dive location is on your wish list or bucket list and why? Dive location on my wish list. I've got to say, now that you remind me, Scapa Flow is on my, on my wish list, because I actually wanted to, I want to go back to somewhere that I dived that was a great location that I didn't actually dive from a recreational perspective, um, I would, I don't, I, I've never dived the Great Barrier Reef. So if I looked at um, the kind of two, compo- two different complete areas of the world, one where I've been to, but haven't actually enjoyed from a recreational perspective and one that, you know, is one of the bucket list areas. So yeah, yeah those two. Yeah. And um, we, I think we would normally ask, um, what is your favorite marine animal and why? Well, obviously <laughs> we, know, we know that. Um, do you have a UK-based one? I do. Uh, well, I, I do and I don't. I've got one that's kind of based. It's kind of escaped you. So, so I have a huge soft spot for sea cucumbers. Yeah. I think they are absolutely essential. They're beautiful. You see them. You don't have to be. And I'm not a particularly good scuba diver because all my diving was on surface supply and heavily weighted. So I'm, a, I'm an actor. So but you don't have to be very good scuba diver to see these things. And what I... Well, people think that you know sharks and rays—they're my, you know, they're the best thing. That they get a lot of attention, they get a lot of conservation effort. And um, a couple of years ago, there was 
sea cucumbers are, are under as much pressure, if not more, because they're, you know, they're, they're, they're a seafood commodity. Yeah. They're very easy to catch. You don't have to, you can be, you can pick up hundreds of them. So they're being decimated around the world and they don't get the attention because A, they're not particularly, you know, some, most of them are not particularly nice looking. Like yeah, you know, you, yeah, you, 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 they're not going to make a blockbuster film of a sea cucumber, I don't think. You know, the attack of the... <laughs> the attack of the sea cucumber. But then when I kind of started to look into them, you know, they, they basically, they, they poo out sand, you know, they're, so they're, they're kind of a bit like the parrotfish where you go on a sandy beach in the tropics, you know, you're, st- you're basically standing on fish and sea cucumber poo. But also they, they, um, their poo um, raises the pH of where they are, so they can actually combat climate change by eating. So they're they're kind of not necessarily beloved creatures. And we started a a, a um, project away, a campaign called Love the Unloved, where it's very easy to love sharks or whales or dolphins or, yeah. but you've got all these other things that yeah, all these other things that people kind of ignore, and they're just as critically important. And so you get them around the UK, but you get them all over the world. So I would say sea cucumbers eats maybe even. More yeah, that's good. Don't, don't tell my boss. <laughs> okay, no, that's fab. Um, if you could take up to three people, scuba diving, snorkeling, yep. who would you take? They can be past, present. I, I may, I, I would take, I would take some global decision makers. So whoever may or may not be in power <laughs> in the immediate future. So the, the US has a huge uh, role to play in, on, on, global conservation so i would take you know the next i would take the next president of the united states <laughs> just to show what is down there and okay, what would you take the, the present one then i will take the next president of the <laughs> united states um who else three people okay who else would yeah, I you don't have to take three it's it's up to three people yeah yeah no i but i, I would take would, i i would and it, why would I do that? So I, I was in a, a, a conservation meeting um, a couple of years ago, and there was a. If it was the man to trust that did this, they um, developed a virtual dive with um, uh, devil rays, and you had governments who were, you know, from African countries and from landlocked countries who'd never experienced the. You know, they didn't have a coastline for a start. Yeah. And they saw these things. It's as close as I've been to diving without actually getting wet. And they made, the, you know, they supported protections for these creatures because they saw it. So for me, it's the decision makers. I would. Yeah. It's true. I, th- I think uh, it's a really good idea. You know, yeah. Cause then yeah. they can see it for themselves, can't they? Yeah. That's, yeah. that's the Absolutely. thing. Yeah. Cause you Absolutely. do get people in charge and they don't believe the scientists. They're like, no, that's, that's not right. And got Scooby. Yeah. <laughs> and, and that's right. And, you see it for yourself. You know? Yeah, and, 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 and you know, you, you can describe something about, you know, it's like being Welsh and talking rugby to someone who doesn't care about rugby, you know, oh, it doesn't click and I don't understand, but okay, but it, it's part of, you know, your culture and your heritage. But when you experience it, you go, right, it, now I get it, okay? I mean, you know, it's, that's the kind of thing that I, yeah. sorry, crowbar in Welsh and being rugby there for. <laughs> <laughs> so what's your favourite piece of dive equipment? What's the bit you can't do without? Piece of dive equipment I can't do without. Yeah bar regulator uh piece it's um the my the mask that i that i've got i'm so my mask i um so i when i but the bulk of my diving when it's commercial diving is in a kirby morgan hat yeah yeah, in the the helmet so your head's always dry and you can talk and when i went back to scuba diving, i was like oh my god i can't i can't talk and this thing's flooding with water where's all the valves so i finally found a mask that didn't leak with my weird shaped face and um and and also when I, if I didn't particularly shave, it kind of didn't leak as well. So my mask is my, is my piece of kit that, and people spit into masks. So you know, they do. What, so what mask have you got? Uh, it is a Cressy, where is it? It's somewhere around here. It's a rotten one that needs a new, <laughs> a new you know, seal. You put your hand on your mask. Well, yeah, mine's all stored away in the box somewhere. Yeah. <laughs> um, so what would be your post-dive meal? Post-dive meal. Would it be a curry or... Post dive meal, I do like a beer, and yes, there they, they used to be a great um, in Fiji a great curry. They did a, a coconut vegetable curry, um, and I so and something nice stodgy, something ricey, and a cold bottle of beer. That right. is my post dive. That's my post dive. Yes, yes. Yeah, Reese. Uh, I not. I've been vegetarian for you know all my life. It was a recent, uh, re- relatively recent. My, my wife and daughter are vegetarians. 
not that they kind of would ultimate it was on me, but living in Fiji, the meat was terrible. It was a lot of meat was was um, was imported, and and also you're not you don't have the best power supply, so mm. you know that a, that a piece of meat would potentially come from New Zealand, defrosted on the way, refrosted, sat mm. in the port, defrosted, refrosted. So it was quite easy to to give up the meat, and then the the sorry, the fish over there was was beyond superb anything I've ever had but um just just working in the in the kind of with the marine plastics issue and working with some scientists in um in Australia we've done some analysis that's scared me a little bit of, the, of um of that so yeah I just took the the it's also easier when when your family are vegetarians yeah yeah but, but for me do you, you don't eat fish no, 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 no. But I'm, you know, I, I, I still crave meat and crave fish. But I've just kind of had that. I know I'm, I'm. And also, it's you know, it's easier when when you, my family are vegetarians. I have to, I then have to make my own meals and that meal. But uh, yeah, that's very true. Yeah, but but stodgy, a nice stodgy ricey curry. That's got you know. Yeah. yeah. So last question. Yeah. Um, okay, so you've got. A, if we give you um, a banner, a placard. Yeah. And you've put a message on there to the millions of people. Yeah. What are you going to put on there? Be what am I going to get and put? What am I going to put on there? It can be a symbol, it can be an image, can be a statement. Yeah. Whatever you want. Get involved. That would be it. Get involved. Without people getting involved at any level, nothing is going to change. Right. And that is, you know, that, that get involved. If you're a diver, get involved in. A conservation program. It doesn't even have to be a project aware conservation program. You know, ideally we'd love it to be a project aware one. But find out what's happening. If you're going diving somewhere or you've got local dive, find out what they're doing. If they're not doing anything, ask them if there's anything they can be doing. Yeah. If you're not a diver and you know of issues, get involved. Get in touch with your decision makers. No matter, and that's no matter where you are in the world. So that get involved. That I would have that in every language to every audience member with. With, without the getting involved, nothing will change. Jill Hynath said to us uh, on that question, yeah. volunteer. And, and uh, I think that yeah. works really well. Absolutely. Um, that Absolutely. Yourself, people like yeah. Hynath all say, and get involved, do, yep. and do these things. Yep, absolutely, and 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 you, you can be you can be involved from everything to actively taking part to getting the people who need to make decisions to take notice of that was getting part. So yeah. it's in the whole spectrum. So, yep. Yeah. yeah. And, you know, the size isn't just getting involved and just, it makes a and any effort is yeah. no effort. And, and for, for us to, to get change scale, it's it, once you've got, once you've got the kind of, you know, the, the maths of scale, that's when things start to change. Yeah. 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 No, excellent answers. Thank you very much. Cool. Yeah. Do you have any questions for us? Um, yeah. How did you start the podcast? It's kind of, uh, you know, it's very, it's a very focused podcast. How did it kind of come about? And from uh, the... I was on a previous one and uh, that when we started, we thought, right, well, we'll change this one and we'll make a, one where we encourage girls uh, and new divers to get yeah. involved yeah. and pick up the skills yeah. of, of yeah. being I'm a diver and we wanted to because um, I've got children you know yeah. I'm thinking about them as well <laughs> how can we do something to uh, highlight all these great things that a lot of these divers that we're talking to are doing yeah and kind of network and then shout about what yeah. the stuff what people are doing and it is more generalized so we don't want to be specifically like down the technical yeah it's got to be you know catch a global you know, yep. audience and touch on all different subjects that, yeah. you know, are effectively us conserving our oceans and rivers. Yeah. Oh, brilliant. So um, hand, a hand in both parts. So scuba diving and also uh, marine conservation. Yeah. Um, that's why we're outreach partners for uh, the reef world. Yeah. Um, because, you know, help share their message as, as yep. well. And yep. we recently done a river clean in Norwich uh, with a green pine. Yep. And we use some of the ethics that and their the, the reef world's um, worksheets as a basis of doing what we do. Yeah. Yeah. Like yeah. Yeah. No. I, I, so you guys, I've got that. And I, my turn. I've got, I've got the mic. So where where where's your favourite place to dive? And, and again, where would you love to dive? Um, do you want to answer that? Too? Well, I only qualified in July, <laughs> so you, you still have a favourite place. So, um, I mean, obviously, 
diving in St Abs was amazing because yeah. that was the first ocean dive. So yeah. I'd love to see more of the UK coastline because we hear so many people shouting about the UK. Yeah. So Wayborn, enjoyed that. Oh yeah, Wayborn did a wreck. Yeah, that was nice. the day after I qualified. <laughs> so you were probably in the deep end then. <laughs> yeah, it wasn't. You know, it was only five meters, five six yeah, meters. Yeah, yeah. But still, yeah. You know, that immediately going from uh, Gildenberg Lake, where you could see very little, it's yeah. horrendous, and then going to look at a wreck with all so these pretty, lobsters. you know, life on it. Lots yeah, yeah. Of crabs, and you think, wow. And it is, yeah. it does feel like another world you're just like now seeing. And, yeah. and that's why you learn to die. Yeah. yeah. Those things. Yeah. And talking to all the amazing people we have had on the podcast, that was kind of, you know, just made it even more special as well. Yeah. Yeah. Because some of the people we spoke to, um, they just leave you awe-inspired, don't they? Yeah. You know, because you just think, wow, you know, uh, you know, we mentioned Jill Hyman, you know, she's dived in an iceberg. Um, John Chatton dived down, you know, he's been down yeah. to the Titanic. And wow. you know, all these people, you just think, wow, this is just awesome. Um, Mike, you know, we spoke to Mike, the NASA astronaut, and he was wow. telling us about how him being a paddy open water diver helped him get through the astro the uh nasa ast um, astronaut training, training and doing, like the space book how you got <laughs> yeah. yeah so brilliant but equally it's not all the big names we've spoken to like a youngster in no, ireland yeah. and he was just yeah. so passionate about yeah. his diving experience and the life that he was seeing well, there what's the dive center um up in the midlands yeah and another yeah young girl yeah. recently qualified but her passion for, you know, she's not been abroad or anywhere. Yeah. Ilkeston Ilk 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 and Kimberley. Yeah, 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 yeah. yeah so, yeah. Uh, it's, it's great. I, I went to um, uh, my, my daughter's school because they're, they're doing, really, they're doing oceans as part of their topic this year. So I went in to give a little, little chat about them. I thought, you know, everyone loves sharks. Took lots of kind of videos of sharks and you know, octopus changing colour. And one of the, um, so I also thought maybe I'd better get some facts and kind of use Dr. Google to get some facts. And one of them, which I'd completely, you know, forgotten about is there's, there's more um, artifacts in the world's oceans than there are in the world's museums. I just wow. sort of threw that in and they were all like, you know, just <laughs> blown. And then you realise how little we actually know about, about the, you know, about just yeah. off the off the coast. I think the astronaut we spoke to, we know more about the moon and Mars yeah. than we do about our ocean. Yeah, just, absolutely. Yeah. Yeah, it's mind-blowing, really. Yeah, yeah, you definitely learn, you know, sometimes you're sitting through spreadsheets and policy documents, then, you know, realise actually there's still so much more to, to, to know. So it kind of drives you on. Yeah. Thank you very much. Yeah, thanks, no, thank thanks you. for your time. Cheers, yeah. pleasure. Yeah. Bye. Yeah. Thank you. Okay. Bye. Bye. Right, we're back. Uh, what do you think to that? I hope you all enjoyed that. Yeah, really interesting. It just shows how being a diver, we can have a big impact on what project we're doing. It certainly can. Citizen science, there we go. It's a phrase that we hear quite a lot these days, Jim. Yeah. You know, and that stuff, you know, things that we'll be hearing more of as time go on. All these things are linked to it. Paralens, you know, they're at. Uh, there's other cameras out there and they they their apps use the same thing everything's traceable. log books mm -hmm. you know yeah. if you if you're logging your dives a lot of them are now all linked to, to if you see different animals and yeah you can you know log where you see it and record it and uh, all these things get involved yeah but project where brilliant you know so uh, thank you very much Ian, for taking part and getting involved yeah, and all the links to what he's spoken about will be in the podcast show notes. Certainly will, so uh, look out for them. Before we go, you know, we can't do this without your support. And uh, one way you can support us is by subscribing and ringing the old bell on our YouTube channel. If you haven't done so already, look out for that. Click on the old button and, um, you know, do subscribe to our YouTube channel. And if you do get a chance, hit the old notification bell and then it will, you keep up to date with what's Ring going the on. Bell. So, there we go. It's you, Who's coming up next? We have Manta Trust coming next. So that's another interesting conversation that links quite well with Project Aware. See, we, we don't actually do all this just by random. We do actually have a plan. I know sometimes it does come across and you think, 
we're just making it up and we're just, you know, <laughs> off the hoof, winging that's it. What it's called. Winging but it. actually, we do have a plan. We do have a plan. Yeah. I know some of it's probably more but like, but hey, don't, shh, don't tell anyone. It's working. It is working somehow. Just hope nobody knows. And hope you enjoyed the conversation as much as what we did. And we'll be back, as they say. We will, we yeah. Will we've got back. lots of exciting things coming up for yeah. the next few weeks. We certainly sure. have. Mental Trust is next. Watch out for that. We'll be out on social media. And don't forget to subscribe. And that's it. So we can go and scooter off now. Yeah, I'm off to lay down in the dark room. I shall see you all later soon. <laughs> Bye.